0: Welcome to episode 14 of Logger. It's been a long time. Been a big break since September, right? And I guess what Devin, you were the last one to do a show. Yeah. Yeah. he's so enthusiastic uh, tonight, everybody. Yes, yeah, and uh we're we're just going to kick right <laughs> off into uh, reviewing a quick Linux game. Um, back by popular demand is my daughter Paige. Who wants to talk about Dirk Daring and the Forces of Evil, right? Yep. And what kind of what kind of game is Dirk Daring?
1: A very fun game, I think. And it's very inappropriate for children.
0: Inappropriate or appropriate?
1: A- pr- appropriate.
0: Okay, why is that? Is there a lot of violence in it?
1: <coughs> no, not at all.
0: No. What are you doing, Dirk Daring?
1: Well, you go th- you go through different parts of uh, a place and you throw gas bombs at like dogs and mice and people who come after you. You collect coins and bomb and gas bombs. Uh there's gold there's gold rings, coins, dollar bills, bags of money and all kinds of stuff. Uh
0: now, you should have corrected me right from the get go because it's not dirt daring, it's dirt dashing. Secret agent is what it is. And uh, the website for that is www.mygamecompany.com. And it is a side scroller, right? A platformer. Do a yep. lot of jumping.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot of hidden
0: stuff in there, isn't there? Yes. And it is uh, very, very family friendly. You can download a trial of it for the first uh, actual world or level. You can call it, it has what is it? Five sub levels? Five or six sub levels?
1: Uh, five, yeah.
0: Five sub levels. A lot of hidden stuff in there. A lot of different items you can, gadgets you can pick up, like X-ray vision glasses. You get those? Yeah. And uh, like a little uh, bazooka that'll shoot the gas, gas grenades even further than where you actually, you know, you can throw. A lot of cool different characters in there Who are all looking to get their hands on Dirk And what is the actual goal of this game, do you know? Uh, no Well, it says from the website Dirk Dashing is the number one operative in the government's top secret organization Whose goal is to protect the world from terrorists and power-mad megalomaniacs And basically what you're doing is you're going through a bunch of exotic locations Solving a... Um, puzzles and avoiding traps and dangerous enemies, as you try to prevent the evil doers of the world from taking over. It's a lot of fun. It's pretty challenging, right? Yes. And it's a really slim price for 19.99. You get the, uh, you can get over there and unlock, get the key to unlock it. Unfortunately, I was a little tardy on ordering it. I did it last night, and I guess due to the holidays, they haven't gotten back to me. Um, PayPal and the holidays and everything. So I really look forward to unlocking this full game and playing through all the levels. Uh, it does have a nice little replayability there because if you just blow your way through the levels, at the end you're told how much completion uh, for each level, whether you found all the coins, whether you found all the, the items, uh, all the secret items explored everywhere. You, you're given a, a completion st- uh, statistics, and you can go back in if you really want to be a, a completist and finish it 100%. I have not gotten to the end of it yet because I don't have the full version, but the first uh, five levels I played through were pretty exciting. Are they really exciting for you?
1: Uh huh. I haven't finished all five of them.
0: What are you waiting for?
1: For you to get off the computer.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, with that,
0: that was pretty good. I want to thank you very much for coming on. Anything else you want to say? No. Okay, thank you. That was Paige, everybody. And. That was Dirk Dashing. Again, you can find that at uh, www.mygamecompany.com. It came out a few months ago. It's uh, for Linux, Windows, and I think the Mac OS X is coming soon, but we're only concerned about the Linux version. Uh, I was pretty impressed with the graphic quality of this game. Uh, It seems to be a really small publishing company, and uh, it harkens back to those early side-scrollers. Do you guys ever play the first Duke Nukem?
2: Yeah.
0: The original one where it was a a side-scroller? I think so. Yeah, it, it's it kind of reminds me a little like that, but uh, the graphics are a heck of a lot better. They're a lot cleaner, a lot more polished. Gameplay is pretty smooth, so definitely worth a check. At least try the the, the download and uh, let them know that uh, you're coming for the Linux version, so that encourages them to keep producing Linux games.
3: Yep. Yeah, I'll check it out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, next on the list, what's this uh, rhizome here?
4: T,
2: you wanna? Tell them or should I?
4: No, go ahead.
2: All right. Uh, Ryzen basically is a uh, project, or well, it was a uh, a project from a company, and uh, it's a MMORPG, um, but the company uh, went bankrupt. So, well, before they went bankrupt, they uh, were experimenting with open sourcing the engine uh, to see if they could, try to stabilize their uh budget and everything. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't they just couldn't uh, afford it and they went bankrupt. And now the uh, Free Software Foundation is trying to buy up the uh um assets from them like the art and everything else so they can have an open source MMORPG.
0: Now have they been su- uh, has there been any success on that level or is it still ongoing no, they failed they failed
4: yeah, and there was a it's a French company that was going bankrupt like devin said and uh and um it, there were higher bids than the two hundred thousand euro bid that uh, the the free software community was an uh, open source community was uh, um, laying on the the table and that was kind of unfortunate because yeah it went it went to some other unknown party.
0: That's unfortunate.
4: Yeah, it is. So I was really bummed out about it. What they,
0: they, you said? They experimented with open source. Uh, what does that exactly mean? Did they actually release anything under an open source license?
2: Um, I'm I'm pretty sure they released the uh, some parts of the engine. I'm not sure if they released the whole thing or not,
0: but. Uh, so is what they released actually usable by the community? I mean, even though another company might have bought it, if it was released, I don't know what license it might have been released under, but is that still available to the community? I
2: think I think it still is, but I'm not I'm not positive. I haven't found it.
0: So, <laughs> not
2: exactly sure.
0: And how far did they actually get with this? I mean, was there ever a viable product? Uh, from the videos I've seen there was,
2: but uh they just didn't... I don't think they got enough subscribers and everything.
0: Oh, uh, people with their flashback sites. <laughs> yes. Well, apparently there's a free trial available. And... Is it available for Linux? Does anybody Lin-JS. know? Yes. Oh, I'd have to double-check. Uh, I haven't found it. <laughs> it's at rhizome.com. If I'm not mistaken, system requirements. Is it Java based? The uh,
2: the campaign The campaign is at uh no, I don't
0: or I don't think so. Well, apparently the system requirements dictate Windows 98 SE to XP, so it looks like I don't see any Linux version available from their website. I could be wrong if somebody else has ported it. But who knows It's unfortunate
2: I'm sure If they already If they already completed it And they had a If they already completed it And they had a Linux version I think we would have heard about it by now
0: Yeah Yeah That's a Huh Well apparently There might be some way to run it under Linux If I could Understand French It appears to be on the forum huh <laughs> something to Speaking check out. Of that I have actually
4: I actually find Japanese easier than French
0: how much uh, Japanese do you know that must a be a few whole words
4: time. you know like good morning and good evening and a common greeting no it's uh, Japanese actually kind of easy to pronounce when you if you just hear it a few times easy stuff
0: now are you learning Japanese but it's through? ridiculous
4: to learn how to write it that's just oh. ridiculously <laughs> hard
0: what is that called the kaiju characters? Anime. <laughs> you learn it from anime. Now, do you actually buy anime, or do you get the subs?
4: Well, I just... Uh, I, I, um, I wa- Unfortunately, I can't disclose that information.
0: So we know what the answer is. <laughs> what? I'm under NDA, you know. I- I'm sure a lot of our listeners... No, you don't, because I haven't told you. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, probably watch anime. Devin, and... Uh, <laughs> and... I don't know what to call you, Wally. What, what do you What do you want us to call you on the show? Oh, uh,
3: you can just call me Ben.
0: Ben. Okay, we'll, we'll call you Ben. You can just call me Ben. And okay, Ben. Do you, uh, do you Do you two watch or you know watch anime?
3: Uh, no, nah, not really. I'm not really into it.
0: Well, you're the exception. Yeah, me so. neither.
3: Some of my friends are, but
0: well, you guys suck. I never got
2: into the craze. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well then just T and I uh, apparently watch anime. Now now T I don't know how it is over there in, in Denmark, but uh, over here anime is 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 quite expensive comparatively speaking to other uh, other movies that you can buy on D V D. Generally speaking you're looking at three episodes per D V D at a cost of about twenty bucks for a new if you buy it new Which is I think kind of pricey Now you can get the box sets That range from 50 bucks on up to a couple hundred dollars I can only imagine what the pricing must be over there in Denmark
4: Well I haven't really looked into uh, to the pricing that much Only a few times when I bought it, like it And uh, it's mostly Pokemon I buy over here on DVDs Because, because um, I just can't find any good stores for anime It's not available anywhere At least to my knowledge and if I have to get, and I, I don't, just don't like uh, having to buy it be over from like mm-hmm. Amazon because then I have to pay taxes, import taxes, and this just sucks ass.
0: Well, I can imagine.
4: now. import taxes is bad enough when you add, but because, and then you add uh, uh, on the 25% Danish VAT, V-A-T, and then boom, you, you are like 100 bucks uh, above the original price. Wow. Well, sometimes. <laughs> But it can it can really be that expensive. <laughs> I, you know what? I I actually seen one DVD sell for a hundred US dollars. One freaking DVD.
0: That is outrageous. It was
4: imported directly from Japan. Now, that was
0: outrageous. On <laughs>
4: you know, that's understatement.
0: On the flip side to that, buying it legitimately, there is a heck of a lot of of uh, companies that will sell you pirated versions at uh, significantly reduced costs <laughs> on the Internet, uh, short of actually downloading through BitTorrent clients to subs and everything. But, uh, you know, not, uh, not that I advocate buying your anime DVDs that of way. Of course not. No, not at all. But it really, you know, when you're sitting there and you're like, well, I can get a decent quality for 60 bucks the entire series, or that same price I'm going to pay like 300 bucks. It really makes it difficult to want to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with like, um, with like, uh, with like music. Uh, if, because
4: I'm, a, I'm a, I just, I, I probably don't have to admit this, but I'm a bit of a geek, both both computer related and also other other areas. And actually, my cousin might be moving to Japan. So I heard a few days ago, and I've always actually kind of been, been fascinated by Japanese culture and stuff. So. A few months ago I decided to listen to some Japanese pop music um, Which I'm sure some of you will make fun of But Fringe ah. But, um, Cringe. but um, um, I actually um, Went on to Amazon to try and Look and see if I could buy it But uh, the one I looked for Which was kind of an old CD Was only available with A direct import from Japan And it seemed kind of pricey So I just, I just grabbed it off, the, off Google instead because I said so hell with it if I can't buy it I'm just going to go get it
0: was that Hi Hi Puffy <laughs> Uh, what Hi Hi Puffy Yumi. isn't that the name of the group or is uh, it just Puffy Yumi? never no, heard it's,
4: of it was kind of like nope <laughs> it was, this was this is not a group I was uh, looking at but uh, <coughs> we, we, are, we yeah
0: end of discussion well you know what speaking of that you know is it, a great segue into a rumor that's been floating around the past couple of weeks that apparently Amazon might enter the online music business to and offering dr free drm free music uh, it's not confirmed yet but supposedly sometime early two thousand seven they may uh they may jump in there uh, with major studios apparently they uh, they might be some major studios they they obviously uh, have some indie music that's available and they're saying that yeah. what Amazon yeah, because I could just I just can't imagine the RIA, uh, that
4: the RIA finally got their heads out of their asses excuse so, sorry for that, the, the bad language but uh, but uh, really the RIAA is just nuts then they, they would sue your daughter if they, if they had some proof on it
0: well, I don't know that's what the rumor mill's saying that uh, they're going to do two things that iTunes doesn't DRM free music and variable pricing which I'm, mm. I'm not sure how the variable pricing is going to fly uh, What the price range might be From what 99 cents to uh, Maybe a couple dollars per song it Sounds pretty steep But uh, you know there's a question right there If if Amazon came out And offered DRM free music And let's say cost 10 cents more than What you can get on iTunes Would you would you buy from Amazon? Uh, I would have liked to get it
3: lossless
0: Yeah But no DRM Same as CD quality Well I only know of one company That offers lossless Audio (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Magnatune Well uh, Okay (laughs) Magnatune does But I I mean I mean from major labels There's only one company I know that offers And (laughs) it's Supposedly not going to be around Too much longer
2: It's It's all all locked
0: uh, in MP3 Right Yeah Yeah. (laughs) I don't know yeah. how legitimate
3: that is, though.
4: How <laughs> no, would, but um, it's uh, in Russia. Is it apparently, it's very legitimate. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: we don't know better, so we can't. Uh, we say so, if whatever it's legitimate or not. I mean, what is the IRA
2: is suing them, like three trillion or something like
0: that? something like that. <laughs> They're trying to sue all of I- MP3.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I heard that.
0: I heard they were just putting pressure on the uh, on the government to, or the government's putting pressure on Russia, to get sites like that closed. I don't know how they go about suing them though.
4: I don't know either. Russia's full of mafias, you know.
2: I can see them taking the route of, uh, uh what is it, the parpe, just leaping across countries and.
4: Yeah. <laughs> You know the pirate so, bay is actually a really hilarious site. You don't have to just use use it to download stuff. You can just laugh your you can just laugh your butt off by reading some of the ridiculing of, of various companies. Yeah, <laughs> it's they uh, are really hilarious. Didn't
2: the pirate bay and the all of MP3 actually band together? No idea. I thought they uh, wasn't it the pirate bay that uh, banned. An ISP that was oh, yeah. blocking all of MP3. Oh,
4: oh yeah, I got it. it. It's um, it was an a small ISP that covers both a little bit b- a little part of Copenhagen in Denmark and also a larger part of Sweden. And what happened was that they um, they paved into the kind of the court decision for another Danish uh, ISP to to block access to all of MP3. So, they also did that, and then the Pirate Bay got pissed off, and then they blocked uh, all custom all IP addresses from that ISP, which I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but uh, they blocked all their customers, and then the, their customers flamed their ISP to unblock all of MP3 to meet the Pirate base demands for unblocking their customers. So,
0: power of the community, you know? Yeah. yeah. Say what you want about the legality of all of MP3. They're about the only online music service I've seen, aside from Magnatunes, that really, you know, offers what, you know, something that's accessible to everybody and such a yeah, wide variety is a of formats. Yeah, it's good looking site, man. It is.
3: Yeah, but the thing is, is are the art- artists getting compensated at all? I no, mean,
0: obviously they're not.
3: If they're not, then why not just use BitTorrent?
0: No, <laughs> I, and, and I agree with you. I, I mean... I think the model of our event, all of MP3, w- oh, yeah. with compensation to the artist would be a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, you, I use it. You got uh, such a, a wide selection on there, and out of print stuff that you can't get anywhere. You know, there's nobody you can't you can't get some of those selections anywhere else. Which uh, yeah. you know... And they're willing to offer it in any format that you want I mean, come on Yeah, I like that If only it was, you know, legitimate And the artist got compensated You know, Magnatunes does pretty much the same thing Offers a nice wide variety of formats DRM free And, uh, you know, the only thing that Magnatunes doesn't have are the major labels Which isn't necessarily a bad thing Because there's a lot of good stuff on Magnatunes Yeah Yeah, I
3: think so but there's still a lot of stuff I want that's on major labels. Right. And it would be nice if uh, there was something like all of MP3 that was legitimate and legal and the artists got paid for it.
4: Actually, I ha- I have a pretty um, I think I have a, a view on this kind of uh, rights uh, situation that I think the EFF might actually like. I am not going to pay artists for for, uh, for their music aka respect their rights until They respect my fair use rights as a consumer. I think that's uh, a a very simple thing for them to do, basically, and that means no DRM and it means uh, no copy protection in general, because copy protection just—it doesn't work. It's so easy to crack almost every kind of copy protection, so it doesn't work. It's just uh, annoying and it's. And it okay. makes things that should be legal Illegal because of this Little law you in the US have Called the DMCA that actually Being exposed on Europe now
2: Well it's not even the artist's fault It's the uh
4: No but they can say something A bunch of Canadian acts, uh, artists actually did Like um, I think Avery Levine was one of them She she and a bunch of other guys basically went Got together and said uh, like, Don't sue our fans Because we don't want you to
2: yeah, but they don't have any say because don't the uh, doesn't the RIA ha- own all of their uh,
4: probably content? But you know, but you know, I mean, um, if, if the artists don't, have, if the artist says like that, just, I just I just say go go th- go for it, rebels! I mean, it, one thing I think actually is the problem with this uh, record industry is that they're trying to run an, a business that is kind of like it was in the eighties in the new millennium. Because uh, in the 80s, you basically just listened to music. You didn't make your own podcasts or radio shows or anything with that music. Well, I
0: think because
4: if I, another because thing... If
0: I think another if thing if that I the f- artist has to contend with is, they might say they might not like the idea of the RIA suing people or want to take that kind of stance, but they're also in contractual obligations. Yeah, and you know, it's nice to take a stand, but when you take a stand and you can't eat anymore because <laughs> you're in debt up <laughs> no. to your eyeballs,
4: yeah, Dan, Dan, you Dan, we remember the First Amendment, free speech. Uh, you yeah, might, that yeah, that has limitations.
0: Yeah, free speech, but free speech isn't gonna I mean, you know, if you stay you know we don't want you to do this. The RIAA, you know, the next step, what are you gonna do? Not record for that for the RIA companies anymore? Then you're in big trouble. Well, if if you're in if contractual any of, obligations,
4: if 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 a popular if a popular artist that has lot like lots of fans got like uh, kicked got his his or her ass kicked by the RIA just in the sense of just being like thrown out. I don't think they would have a problem because they have they they could do like a tour and make money of that, or generally just ask their fans for help because uh, you know I think lots of their fans would be help up with them.
0: Yeah, they'd be downloading their music for free off a bit BitTorrent sites and all of MP3. <laughs> 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 well,
4: seriously though, if you if if, if some popular artist like uh, basically said no to the I.R.A. just, just went and and did their own thing, wouldn't you, like, support that even if you didn't like the music?
0: Uh, I don't know how I I'd don't. go about supporting them if I didn't well, like their music.
4: Well, like, well, buy a T-shirt or something. <laughs> I mean, something, yeah, that I could make money on, I mean.
3: Yeah, but why support them if they're making crummy music? <laughs>
4: well, well, I, I mean, the music doesn't have to be bad. It's maybe you just didn't it wasn't kind of your taste because for example I, I listen to a lot of Michael Jackson's music but uh, not not everyone likes Michael Jackson you know
0: I mean you got a point there I mean but if somebody I, I'm sure there, there have been artists that have stepped forward uh, with this but I don't know they have such a stranglehold it doesn't make it easy yeah that's
2: correct yeah people so, are always uh, like They're always Saying how they hate the RAA But they can't really do anything Because the major labels Have the major artists And there's No way for the artists to get out of their contract So they can Do it on their own And then the people yeah. starting As a new artist Need a cheap way to record everything And publish it And the RAA is their only option
4: and well, it's not cheap. It's not cheap partnering with the RAA. I could tell you that right now. Well, it, it's in the beginning. They just they uh they it's don't like a charge. Big loan you get from the
2: RAA. Exactly, and they screw you in the end. But in the beginning, it's yeah, the like only kind way. Of,
0: you're kind of like Apple, you know. <laughs> well, you know, on, on the other side of that too, I mean, Magnatunes is you know one of the exceptions, and you got artists publishing their own music, but. Creative to, Commons. Yeah, Creative Commons. But to get the uh, the media exposure and the avenue into the record stores or CD stores and to end up on, on iTunes, um, the RIA has a huge, huge uh, hand yeah. in all of that. And, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. You know, and speaking of that and copy protection, I mean, one of the ways has always been talked about is just go out and buy the CD. And I don't know if you guys have encountered this yet, but we 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 love Weird Al over here. So we got the new Weird Al CD. Um, okay. I forget the name of it. But it's like an enhanced um. CD that has DVD um. content on it. So I went to, uh, to rip the songs off of there to put on my music server so I can listen to it, you know, wherever I want to. Fair use, I would think. My... My uh, DVD player would not read the disc, the audio content off the disc. I couldn't rip it.
4: Well, Dan, that's a good... Actually... just to kind of uh, uh, sub-segue way, uh, uh, back to you know, something called the Sony Root Kit case the CDs that Root Kit was on was actually not CDs which yeah. is actually refers to them as fake CDs because they didn't fit the CD specification that Philip uh,
3: had yeah they don't actually uh, so have so. the the CD logo on them
4: nope it's not an, it's, it's, it's it's a disc story. you can totally see that it's a disc but, but it, they can't call it an audio CD because an audio CD has zero copy
0: protection on it and you know what it actually does say that on the disc it does say that it is not it is an enhanced cd it is not a regular audio cd and some players will not be able to read the disc uh we lucked out because the the uh, cd-rom drive on my wife's laptop was able to read the audio content off of there and we could rip it through there but uh, it was kind of you know surprising that uh, this that's the case, and I I hope I don't run into any more like that. Yeah, that would suck.
3: Yeah, I haven't run into any CDs like that. All the ones I've bought have been really easy, uh, really easy to rip, no
0: problems. Yeah, most of the time, most of the time it is really easy. But that was the exception so far, and you know it makes me wonder because my my DVD. Drive here is is fairly new, and hers is like five or six years old. So I wonder if they, you know, the older the CD player, maybe it doesn't have those res- as many restrictions, or maybe there's something in the newer ones that they're actually starting well, to look for it that'll prevent ripping of it.
4: Well, actually, just to. It, it my mom has a, a CD player from uh, I think 1994 or something stashed away in a box somewhere. But if you actually go back to like the, the, the early 90s, if you buy a CD player back then, and uh, and uh, and then you go into a record uh, store and buy something that says audio CD, it should be able to play in that, that old ass. Uh, CD player because it's a it fits the specification so it should be able to play in that. That's why Sony, for example, can't can't say that their root kitted CDs was like audio CDs because it's not.
0: Remember when you used to be able to go buy a DVD ripper? Do they still sell those? Yeah. <laughs> nope. I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> that was awesome. Man. <laughs> That's like dude. And uh, uh, before that, when when VHS was popular, you used to be able to go oh, buy yeah. a, a VHS dubber <laughs> Yeah, my uncle used to have
3: one of those. He'd run <laughs> all his movies, and make copies. Yeah. He had a whole whole cupboard full of uh, pirated VHS tapes. <laughs> Jesus. But back then, no one said anything about it. It was it wasn't even a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you go out to the video store, rent a couple of movies, and and uh, you know record them as you're watching them, and take them back. And <laughs> then they started putting that copy protection in there where if, if you tried to record it the uh one of the ways they get it, they get you is the, you'd actually see it like the dim the brightness would go up and then it would get dim and then it would get bright yeah macrovision right yeah macrovision and depending on what speed you recorded it at it was either like a, a gradual uh, dimming and brightening or it was like a flashing if you recorded it at sp it would just like flash back and forth it was so annoying
1: <laughs>
0: bastards
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's 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 move on there. Uh, quick mention yeah. that uh, I think it was uh, December twentieth, a new release of video Land client for all operating systems. Uh, that's probably one of the video players. That's one to rule them all, right there. Uh, it works. I've used it on Linux, Windows, and OS Ten. and it's performed admirably on all systems.
4: Uh, I used it on BSD.
0: And BSD, it works really well.
4: Yeah, yeah. it looks
0: great. I mean, it, it's got phenomenal support. Uh, I know, like, my dad got a DVD player, re, re, uh, DVD recorder, about, what was it, back for his birthday. I got it for him. And, uh, of course, he used it under Windows 2000. And you can't play DVDs under Windows unless you have... a uh, a program that'll allow you to play DVDs, kind of like you know, you can't really play them under Linux unless you have Live DVD CSS. Yeah. And so uh, there was a program in there that came with it that never actually worked for some reason. You could put the video DVD in, and all you got was the audio and no picture. So uh, it was a kludgy program. So this past weekend, while I was visiting my dad for the holidays, my parents, um, I slapped VLC on there, and it played the video with the DVD without any problem. Uh, so, you know, and it plays other formats, too, just about any format you can throw at it. It does a lot of uh, encoding, too. You can uh, transcode from one format to another using VLC. It works really great, both audio and video. Definitely, if you're not using it, give it a try. You guys use VLC? Yeah, cool. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah, Every now and then, I actually put it on a lot of my friends' Windows machines because just, it doesn't have spyware or anything like that, like some of those weird-ass Windows codec packs that... So, it's great. And it's a free software, of course, so it's always great.
3: Yeah, it works great for streaming stuff over my network. Streaming DVDs and all kinds oh, yeah, of audio and video too. files.
0: Yeah. I've never tried it for streaming. So You, you, stream you haven't? It? No, I haven't. You, you, you stream it, uh, I guess you'd have to stream it to another VLC player?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I've got VLC install, installed on everything, and um, it works great.
0: And how do you control it then I mean, is this something you have to control from the server
3: yeah um, yeah I don't I don't think you can control it from the client like you can pause it from whatever machine serving it but obviously you can't pause it from the client okay but yeah it works really well I like it a
0: lot now I, if, and correct me if I'm wrong but isn't there a command line interface to that for the server part where you could actually you know, start the streaming without having to, actually to go to like the graphical interface. So you could SSH into a system and start a, a stream, and pick it up on your your client.
3: I'm actually not sure. I've never tried it on the command line. Huh? Have you T?
4: Nope. Hmm. Actually, for the most part, when I whenever I need to play something, I either use Caffeine or KPlayer.
3: Huh. Yeah, I like MPlayer. MPlayer works good too.
4: Yeah, K-Player is a KDE front-end for M-Player, so... Looks nicely on the KDE, so... I'm not <coughs> a KDE junkie.
3: I'm a KDE. you You're KDE. Yeah.
0: i never tried this KDE, KDE. front-end. I've used the the uh, GTK front-end M-Player, which yeah, I don't find K K too
4: bad. The K-Player is actually really nice. It d- uh, the only problem with is it hasn't been developed for, l- on for like tw- two years now, which is unfortunate, but it still works, so uh, whatever.
0: Yeah, I like M-Player a lot. I like the MPlayer plugin. Does the, VLC has a plugin, doesn't it, for Firefox? Yes, it does. How well does yeah. that work? Works okay. Sometimes better than MPlayer,
4: sometimes worse. That, that's actually. She's. Go
3: ahead. Oh, I was going to say I've, I've actually never tried the VLC plugin, but the MPlayer plugin works great. Um, you can go to the Apple site, play all the trailers on there. You can play pretty much anything a really while
0: well. Yeah, I haven't had problems with the MPlayer plugin. I was curious whether the Zine plugin plate or uh, not Zine. Uh, Cause no, the Zine player plugin I'm not too thrilled with, and no, neither am i thrilled with the Totem plugin. I absolutely hate the Totem uh. plugin. <laughs> uh, I was just curious whether the VLC plugin renders the uh, the content in the browser window, or it opens up a separate window. But since I've never tried it, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: I have to look into it. I don't like G. Gplu- I don't like GZine um, plugin for the browser. I like no. Zine, but I don't like the plugin. I'm happy with them.
4: Now that we are in talking about multimedia stuff, I just have uh, a little bit of an update. Actually, went to the FreeBSD Ports Collection the other day just to look at what version of Amarok it has, and uh, and I ran about some ran about into a GTK application called like Exile or something like that, and it 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 was basically like an Amarok clone for GNOME. So can't remember its exact name or webpage off the top of my head. I think it was like X A. Uh, No, uh, E-A-X-I-L-E. Sorry about that.
0: Is that only on the BSD side of things? No, no, no.
4: uh, It was just the Porsche collection, but it's also for GNU, Linux, and Solaris, and others.
0: I've never heard of it. Is it fairly new? Well, you don't know. Yeah.
4: I think it was because I've never heard of it. And uh, it kicks the crap out of, to- of Totem and uh, Rhythm Box.
0: And that's, that's E-A-X-I-L-E? Right.
4: <laughs> Hang on, I'll just check real quick.
0: It's not hard to kick the crap out of Totem and Rhythm Box.
4: No, Totem just sucks.
0: sucks. Yes. Totem really,
4: really sucks, the big one.
0: I know there's some people hey, on you the guys IRC use right now. Uh, I, I have nice. tried it.
3: Yeah, it's pretty nice I think Am- yeah. Am- Amarok has some more features, though
4: Yeah Okay, I found the website of this It's exaile.org and It's like an, it's basically like an Amarok clone But fucking no
0: Exaile Yep Dot .org No, it's not in a Pac-Man port tree Hmm Exaile.org Actually, it looks pretty
4: nice. Huh. So, yeah, something to check out if you're a GNOME user.
0: Ah. Now, is that is that like going direct competition with Banshee there, isn't it? No, it's
4: more like competition with Amarok.
0: Well, I know, but, I mean, isn't Banshee trying to be closer to what Amarok is before uh, the GNOME side?
4: No, I don't know. They're the re- really only purpose of who wrote Banshee was because they could uh, link it to like a proprietary multimedia framework. Right. That would, that would be real player to provide MP3 support.
5: Hmm.
4: And you can do that with GPL players.
0: I'll have to check it out one day. Oh, I like Beep Media yeah. Player.
4: Yeah, it's it's nice, but uh, I like
3: it. I
0: like lots you should of try movies. Audacious. Have you heard of Audacious? I have I have heard of it. I haven't really used it extensively. It's actually like
3: the continuation of Beat Media Player. Because I don't think Beat Media Player is developed anymore.
0: Oh, it's not? No. I think what, uh, happened,
3: I think what happened
2: was uh, there was Beat Media Player, and then they wanted to make a second generation of it. And then I think they forked to Audacious and uh, Beep Media Player
3: X. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the original Beep Media Player team or not, but it's just like it. I mean, I think it supports XMS and Beat Media Player skins. Yeah, has the same functionality.
0: Now, was Beep supposedly was that supposed to be uh, what XMS2 morphed into? or do those two projects have nothing to do with each other
4: um... um beep was actually a fork of, M- uh, of xmms to kind of modernize it gtk plus you know gtk2 uh, right gooey toolkit and just you know xmms is like the dinosaur of multimedia
3: <laughs> classic
4: yeah it, it, i think its first version of xmms was like 1997 <laughs> This old hat. and Run, runs on every damn Unix platform you can imagine. Everything from Irix to to Solaris to PSD to Linux. And also, AIX. Yeah, I hear Ain't that scary. XMS on a
0: mainframe. Huh. Let me see here. Well, I have Beep Media Player. I have Beep Media Player 2 and Audacious on this system. I have to fire one. Uh, I usually use Beep. But not two. I have to try out Audacious. There's so many. Yeah,
4: it's not not. It's not a big visual difference, it's, but it's uh, actively developed. Yeah. Actually, the default skin is actually pretty nice. It's kind of sleek white. Non happy style.
0: Happy days.
4: Oh yeah.
3: Yeah, I like Audacious for podcasts and just miscellaneous audio files. It's real lightweight, fast.
0: Audacious, good stuff. Does ever have problems with variable bitrate podcasts where they don't it doesn't report the uh, total time correctly? You ever have that problem?
3: Yeah, yeah, some podcasts do. I don't get it.
0: Not this podcast, though.
3: (laughs) No, it's all odd. I think some of the some of the stuff does. Some of the what? the Leo Laporte stuff yeah sometimes that has the incorrect time and (laughs) plays back slow or too fast you know yeah I was actually listening to uh, Windows Weekly in Audacious and it was playing in slow motion and it sounded like Leo was
0: stating
4: it's pretty funny or the servant of Steve Jobs
0: (laughs) not on Windows Weekly something like that Windows Weekly he would be Bomber's little buddy. On Mac Break, <laughs> then you'd be Steve Jobs' right-hand man. Bad yeah, buddy. And on Floss Weekly... Yeah,
4: right-hand man. He's
0: absent. Because hey, I never see him do Floss Weekly anymore.
4: <laughs> has actually been... Uh, has floss, a floss Monthly. Weekly. Yeah, he have not, n- No, that's not a... Floss, every time a Mac-ass get around to it. That's the correct title of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, speaking of podcasts, there's two other Linux gaming podcasts. I think, Devin, you had mentioned them in the past. Linux Games had a podcast running there for a little while, which was really, really good. And due to some hardware failures, they lost Episode 7, and they haven't picked it up since then. Um, this is unfortunate because I really was enjoying their their shows. Uh, last one came out sometime in October uh, 23rd. Yeah, I think so. And... They're on an unintended break. Another another podcast that I listen to quite frequently, Gamer Games and More Entertainment Radio, uh, has been doing some Linux and indie games every so often. They have a decent forum over there at the hwhq.org for getting certain types of uh, games to run under Linux or under Transgaming's... Is it Transgaming still? No, Sedega. How's that pronounced? Sedega or Sedega or... I hear it pronounced I say Sedega I say Sedega too I say expensive Um, They're not They're not Too well um, They're not too welcome In the wine community Apparently Because they're not uh, They're not Giving back From what I hear It's proprietary isn't it Yeah they They don't play nicely
4: Yeah actually Sedega is actually A fork of the last version Of wine that was Under the BST license Because originally Wine was under The BST license
0: yeah, so they're not uh, apparently not a community player.
4: Well, they get back where they can, but uh, they, I, I think they actually had their license on DirectX stuff from Microsoft. I think they do. I don't know for sure, but I think I heard something about that about a year ago.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, hwhq.org for Games and More Entertainment Radio is running there uh their poll for game of the year and all sorts of different categories head over to their forums if you're a game if you're all in the games check them out sorry go ahead whoever i'm cutting off
2: uh didn't they uh i think they said they wanted to get you on the show one time too
0: yeah we've been uh we go back and forth and talking about that c4 and uh and i and it just hasn't come together Particularly, the same reason why Lager hasn't come together for a couple of bucks. <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, my schedule has been hellish. And it's really starting to, uh, you know, taper off now. And I hope to do more uh, of Lager, and I do hope to get on to uh, games of more entertainment radio in the near future. All right. And uh, with that... Who That was uh, That was a duck. <laughs> sure I'm surprised the <laughs> a microphone picked that up. Doc <laughs> Washko, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess That's the last bit of news <laughs> that we have before we move on to some other specific stuff is uh, wh- what the heck are you talking about? That digs rendering slowly on your machine there, T. Well,
4: well, when I go to it, it, it's like it's super slow. It's just like Firefox slows down to a crawl. Same with Conquer and yeah, it's just like try going to it right now. Mine it's came up really fast. Really.
3: Yeah, I don't really. have a problem with it.
4: Yeah, because when I go go to it and kind of uh, go into a news new story, when I try to scroll down at the comments, it just like it takes like one millimeter at a time or something like that. I guess I don't know if it's because they have a lot of JavaScript going, but it just
2: mine mine uh, initially it takes a few seconds to load. And then it's fine, but then once it loads the ads, it goes really slow for me.
3: Yeah, I actually don't even see the ads because I use AdBlock Plus, I think it is, and it filters all that out.
4: That might be it. Mm, Yeah, I wish I wish they would just do like a minimal, like HTML only, and not all the AJAX stuff because I hate that sometimes.
0: Get with the program there, T. You need to use a distribution that supports (laughs) AJAX appropriately. And, obviously, uh, your OpenSUSE is not cutting it. Get
4: with, do not get with the program. Stop using window maker. <laughs>
0: yeah, window maker, I like WindowMaker. And, actually, the, the top <laughs> article right there that I see on DIG is all of mp3.com response to RIAA lawsuit. There you go. Yes. And HD-DVD encryption hacked. Go figure. I, I yeah. really thought that they weren't going to be able to hack that.
4: Wasn't it DVD John that said he was going <laughs> to... Yeah, he already registered the domain deaacs.com.
0: Yeah, I've, you know that comes as a shock. to, I think every one of us that it was going to be that it was hacked, right? Because we all know that the uh, copyright protection works really well.
5: Yep.
0: Indeed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of OpenSUSE and SUSE in general, T, you you had some comments about, uh, I think specifically, Nat Friedman who was recently on Lug Radio. Radio. In case you what don't know, you Lug Radio is a show that comes out of the United Kingdom. Uh, some of you may not have heard of them at LugRadio.org. Lug Radio. Yeah, <laughs> Lug Radio. Yeah, and it's I'd be audio. surprised if you haven't. <laughs> if you're actually listening to this and you haven't heard of Lug Radio, where the hell oh, are you ex- in? So what's your commentary there, T? <coughs> well, um,
4: did you guys listen to the interview with Nat Friedman? Yes, I did. Okay, what do you think?
0: Well, I think that the interview they did, I thought they did a great job. What do I think about what Nat Friedman said? Yeah, what he said. I, I think Nat Friedman did a, a, a decent job of, of adequately explaining Seuss's viewpoint. And for me, although I don't like a lot of the choices they've made, I can kind of understand some of the choices. Um, I am not one to agree wholeheartedly with jumping in into a partnership with Microsoft like they did, largely because Microsoft has never proven itself to be a a a decent team player, let alone a community player. And I I would suspect I, I would think a lot of people ha- are suspicious of Microsoft's true intentions um based upon their history and you know
4: yeah microsoft has this i uh, microsoft has this philosophy of not talking to communists you know
0: right and, you know i can see them doing something like taking those 70,000 uh, licenses they got from SUSE and just like dumping it on some pl- un you know third con- world country or i think they were dumping a bunch of them off in germany and you know into a yeah, place they did. where
4: they they, dropped, they 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 gave a bunch to deutsche bank you know, the, the Deutsche means the German bank or something like that. And um, it's actually, the um, Deutsche Bank was actually one of the original um, uh, uh, investors in SUSE Linux. AG. AG means like company.
0: Right. And That's I can see them, you know, really st- a strategic move to, to drop them in locations that are not going to make that big of an impact on the greater yeah. whole of the uh, adoption of Linux. Um they'd be shrewd enough to do that.
4: Yeah, actually the only pro the only problem I have with this the micro deal as I like to tease them well with calling it. I have only pro my only problem is the patent deal. I don't mind if they add open XML support to open office. I think that's fine. I mean, because us open uh, Microsoft has this huge mon- office monopoly and one day or later, sooner or later we're gonna have that doc X file on our desktop. Anyway,
0: So, what's your complaints? You are happy that they offer patent indemnification, correct? No, no,
4: no. no. I hate the patent part of the deal. I mean, it's like... Uh, I initially thought that it was a violation of the GPL version 2, and uh, it, uh, it isn't, but I think it's kind of like a s- circumvention of the GPL V2 because it works nicely around Section 7 of the GPL version 2. And uh, Richard Stallman also said that it don't violate GPL version two, but it will violate GPL version three, which is kind of interesting. So if Novell really didn't want really wanted to stay out of trouble, they would have waited until after GPL version three was out. But thank you, Novell. Now we know how to kick your kick your ass. But uh, you know because because the GPL version three, Richard Stallman said it will say something like if you if you initiate some kind of deal to protect. S- the people you give the software to you have to re- protect downstream recipients too or you can't distribute the software f- which would like essentially mean that if Novell couldn't get this um, patent covenant for everyone uh, they couldn't like distribute a, verse, a future GPL version 3 version of GNOME which would be
0: unfortunate for them so. but even so that, that quote patent indemnification that they're, they're offering isn't that uh, that part of the like, agreement is revocable at any not, time?
4: It's actually not indemnification. It's more like a covenant.
0: A covenant, because, that's right.
4: Because Microsoft and Novell are, uh, are not patent licensing or anything. They just pay each other for the promise not to sue each other's customers. That's how that Friedman puts it.
0: But isn't it also worded as such that Microsoft can revoke that at any nope, moment?
4: Uh, no, can't, they can't revoke that. They can't? That's uh, there, that, I thought that's there were some other contract. parts of it that they can bound by contract and breach of contract that's not a you, you can get a very harsh punishment than that
0: because Devin was so. saying to me before the show that he is uh, he is going to switch all his machines over to uh, SUSE Linux Enterprise desktop because he <laughs> he wants to be covered under that covenant because when the hammer comes <laughs> down he wants to be on the side of the angels <laughs> oh man <laughs> did you get your box copy yet Devin is that what you got for Christmas ah,
4: it's
2: in the <laughs> map right now it's
0: in the <laughs>
4: <laughs> shipped by Ron Howe Sapien himself
0: well you know I think if Novell would have come out when they made this deal and uh, you know kind of presented the same side that that uh, that was presented on uh, by Nat on Lug Radio that was presented by um, the PR guy, I forget what his name was, on the Linux Action Show. Uh, it might have uh, staved off some of the hostilities from the community, although I do think what turned off a lot of people is the, the patent covenant. Uh, and also, uh, apparently a lot of people were not too satisfied with their support of open XML over ODF. Uh, apparently, not,
4: it's not like over ODF. It's not, but
0: but you know, I guess a lot of people in the uh, ODF community, and which has a significant portion of people in the free and open source community, really feel that support of Open XML in such a manner is makes it more difficult for ODF to be adopted uh, in the manner that it should be. Yeah, that's actually true. I guess the big concern is, um, whereas they were hoping that ODF would be the standard which companies and governments who need to support an open format or want to support an open format would rally behind, as opposed to Microsoft pushing out OpenXML, and it's a format which they control and at any time can embrace and extend uh, open XML beyond what the open part of Open XML allows the rest of the world to do. Kind of like how they have the lockdown on Doc right now.
4: Yeah, well, Doc is completely undocumented. Open oh, yeah. XML I think, is documented.
0: Well, you know, with the documentation of what seven thousand pages, yeah. and in order to uh, be certified Open XML compliant, you have to. You have to s- follow and support every guideline or whatever it is. I don't
4: know what it is.
0: You have to like you have to support Open XML a hundred percent or not at all. And the only person that doesn't have to support it a hundred percent is Microsoft.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: Which I don't I understand how they got a a, a standard like that pushed through. That doesn't make sense.
4: No, I don't need the everyone believes Microsoft's word is always true when Steve Ballmer says it couldn't be a lie couldn't be a lie I
0: don't know but speaking of Microsoft uh, what's this about Bad Vista?
4: well it's uh, (laughs) it's actually pretty nice I think it's a campaign that the um, um, that the FSF is doing to um, to kind of bring to attention some of the the new privacy issues that will be um, present in Windows Vista because Windows Vista will have some new DRM schemes built in, and since it's proprietary, we can't really tell which um, which what 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 kind of uh, DRM it is. But uh, but um... it's, it's open t- DRM, right? It's gonna have <laughs> open DRM. Oh man, <laughs> open DRM. <laughs> <laughs> Powered by a <GNU> new PG, right? You <laughs> know. <laughs> Uh, seriously though Windows Vista is going to have something called HDCP in it which is like high definition copy protection which is like DRM for HDTV but I think it's always also going to have something else and uh, in addition to that it's also going to have what, what's called TPM which is called Trusted Computing by Microsoft and other guys call the calls it Treacherous Computing which I think is actually pretty, um, um, a pretty good term for it because if a computer is not obeying its owner <laughs> it's treacherous, right? <laughs> but um, seriously, though, I mean, the FSF. I think this is campaign is a good idea. They just they just rushed it a little bit instead of really. They they put kind of a Vista aggressive post on the first um, uh, on this it's kind of a blog. If you go to badvista.org, it's, they put um, a very aggressive first post on there, and it got received kind of a little bit, you know, uh, uh, in the mainstream media, but I think everyone in the open source community and free software community understood, and I I think it's a good idea. They just need to get, you know, get them Uh, more constructive.
3: I think it's kind of childish, personally.
4: Well, isn't DRM a problem, you think?
3: Yeah, but aren't they kind of preaching to the choir? I mean, what do they hope to accomplish?
4: Just bring to the what that 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 affected by design design campaign against DRM was actually kind of success, quite successful, because their their intention is just to bring to attend to attention these issues. They not they're not saying oh go use free software. They actually just t- t- tell people, your privacy is invaded by these and these things, which I don't think is very wrong. I mean it's it's correct information. I mean if it. Windows Vista has the that trust computing thing built in, so in theory, you could, if future computers from Dell, maybe you could make sure that only Dell com- that Dell computers could only load like Windows or license copy of Windows or any something like that, and never any software operating system wouldn't be very uh, wouldn't be very hard for Microsoft to get something like that through. I think, especially if it was required through the licensing or something like that.
2: I think I would rather see something that uh targets more of the technical issues or the technical reasons to run linux over windows
4: well this is not what this is not that it's not like it's not saying go use GNU and so windows Vista it's like it's saying it's just kind of telling people about the g r m and t p m issues it's exactly. not specifically it's not it's not saying go use new linux or or BSD or anything it's just saying hey. You user out there, did you know that Vista might invade your privacy by doing this and this and this?
3: Yeah, but I think the average Windows user is just going to roll their eyes at that. I don't think they really care.
4: No, yeah. but uh, I mean,
2: it's like... Nor will they be visiting that site.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just a of, geeks. of
4: attention. <laughs> Yeah, well, geeks, I mean, if geeks have friends. Geeks tell, geeks tell people that's how the open source community originally started, It just people mouth-to-mouth. I mean It's kind of like Talk about them So I mean It's not It's not like I think it's a good idea I mean uh, The FSF can do Whatever they want I, But I think This is a good idea Let's we'll see how it goes Right
3: Yeah
4: It's gonna It's gonna be A little bit interesting I mean yeah, I love the name Bad Wister. <laughs> That's actually Kind of funny But anyway I mean That was how I think uh, Do you know Who Peter Peter Goodman is oh no uh, well he's um, uh, um, he wrote a well, he's responsible for something called the Goodman wipe algorithm which is a, a way of wiping hard drives and um, have you have you guys ever done a Goodman wipe unquote on hard drives nope 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 well, it's actually it's a good way of wiping every data off hard drive and making sure it is it is gone. Because if you just type rm space file name to delete a file, it's basically like basically like it's thrown out the window, but it's staying on the it's still on the out in the garden even though it's out of the window. But um, so, I mean, he wrote a, an article. I I can't remember the link, and maybe I'll find it for some show notes or anything something like that. But he wrote an article on the DRM issues in Windows Vista and how it could potentially inflict other operating systems. I haven't read it, but I just heard about it. You guys got anything to say on Bad Vista?
0: <laughs> well, uh, that's something to keep an eye on. I haven't been keeping too much track of what's going on on Bad Vista, although I think they only have, what, two or three posts, if that?
4: Yeah, something like
0: that. Yeah, and the last post was on December fifteenth. Is uh, is that is is this actually a site that is supported and promoted by the FSF, or is it somebody who's a member of the FSF? Yeah. is
4: is this something that uh, the F, the FSF themselves is doing? Okay, like the Defective by Design campaign, for example.
0: Well, we'll see how that goes. I mean, so. That's a really it's an uphill yeah. battle. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, as much yeah, as you want to, you want to say, yeah. "Hey, there's a big problem here." The, the, I guess this was mentioned before. The majority of the consumers, the people who who this message needs to be brought to, are going to be completely oblivious to this, and you know they're going to go into their Sad. Best Buy or Comp USA, and the guy over there is going to say, "You know what? Windows XP was good, but now Vista." This <laughs> is what you want This is the yeah. best This is This is the most secure The most stable And the most feature Featuring Operating system And the most You know Most Technologically most secure advanced Operating system ever Yes and, and most technologically advanced Operating system You're going to buy And they're going to Eat They're going to You know They're going to Have to swallow it Because what choice Do they have Like, yeah,
4: like pay Apple says, Apple store. They're going to no
3: Most people don't the think They have know. a choice yeah. Except for Apple
4: Yeah Actually, but I, you know, I think what the FSF is kind of kind of thinking here is just put the information and the, this out there, and then people who want to listen can listen, and then those who don't want can just ignore it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's so many things: there are people who listen, and there are people who don't
0: listen. See, this needs to make its way onto so. uh, CNN or MSN or whatever, or you know, MySpace. They need a MySpace account <laughs> with. Uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. that's awesome uh, no but actually imagine RMS
4: on MySpace that would be just infinitely scary
0: oh, I wonder if RMS does RMS have a MySpace, MySpace account Jesus <coughs> I don't want to <laughs> know can you imagine that you go to your MySpace account R- a flash RMS animation? one of your friends <laughs> yeah um, uh, 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 RMS wants uh, to no be comments. your friend uh, <clears throat> Dan, Speaking of
3: MySpace, uh, um, the TLTS MySpace page actually has like 15 <laughs> friends.
0: <laughs> awesome. That is such a great page. Bogey Guy has friends. That is hilarious. Has it been updated recently?
3: Uh I haven't updated it in probably
0: a month. What are you waiting for?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else am I supposed to add? <laughs> Wait, I gotta stop the song from playing. I don't think I can make it any uglier, <laughs> You know what? you do have one little problem on here? I could just Sorry, I could just barely make out the text. it's too It's too easy to read. I could just I, how how about the yellow on
3: on neon green? <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's That's perfect. Yeah, that is so perfect. Uh, in the hot link. Dan before we get
4: into like Church of Fudge, could I could I se- Dan, before we get into like Church of Fudge, could I um,
0: segue this nicely into GPL version three? Uh, you can, but before we go into GPL version three, was there something somebody wanted to make a comment about what Vista will do to Linux gaming?
3: Devin? Linux gaming. Um.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um well I've been talking to a couple of my friends and, well, mainly my geek friends, but, um, and one of them's excited about Vista, and he says, well, there's a bunch of people that are excited about DirectX 10 and all that. I'm not really sure why, because it's a It's because library. it's so advanced. But people don't get excited about SDL or anything.
4: Well, it's not for Microsoft. So it couldn't be good. Ah whatever. <laughs> is, is SDL is that the new
0: uh technology in D- DirectX? Ten? Eleven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead,
2: <laughs> Um, so anyways. Um do you guys think that Vista will impact gaming at all?
0: Not really. <laughs> no, I could be a, a I mean, jerk. The and only say thing I could be kind of impact about can is it is have on it what? that Microsoft doesn't already have a stranglehold on? Yeah, exactly. That's
4: right. Yeah, but uh, there's one thing I will say. You know, guys like ID Software who has really staunchly set there, uh, uh, standing their ground on OpenGL because of you know, guys named John Carmack. Um, um, they, if they still insist on using OpenGL, I could um, imagine their games would not run as good as something in DirectX 10, and then if they wanted to keep the cross-platform ability of the Quake and Doom games, they would have to basically write both the DirectX version and the OpenGL version, unless they, of course, very insist on OpenGL, which they have done for years and years now.
2: Yeah, for, for a while there, they were supposed to... Uh I uh, not even include OpenGL and Vista. Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> Vista.
2: <laughs> but. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot with that.
4: Yeah. Nope. Exactly, they. Yeah, they. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm sure they will, I mean. It's not like.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. But I don't get anything else, Steph? Nah, that's fine. Go ahead. Sorry, Steph.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, here's what your GPL version 3 stuff that you've been so anxious to talk about.
4: Okay. Yeah, GPL version 3. Um, Well, um, since... Uh, um. This this has really been talked about on TLTS. Yes, I thought I would talk would talk about. What do you guys think of GPL version three? Tell me about it.
2: Um, you already know how I
4: feel about this. Yeah, definitely.
0: I am pretty much in agreement with a lot of GPL version three.
4: Some some other something
0: you don't think it should be in there.
4: Danford in particular
0: you asking me or you ask because
4: yeah. no, I know I, Devin hates the end because
0: um I haven't had a problem with, with what's in the GPL version 3 yet what's in the proposed GPL version 3 okay I think by the time it comes out it might not be as strict yeah. but uh we'll see what happens and I take it that Devin is is 100% for yeah. it from the sound of of his tone, <laughs>
2: uh, I don't really agree with the uh, DRM or the. Uh, I know trolls always get on me but when I say DRM, but the hardware DRM does that make it better?
0: <laughs> yeah, you I don't agree with that,
4: but <laughs> well, it's kind of like a hardware vendor lock-in. No. It's kind of like what the GPL version 3 says is that you can't hardware vendor lock in your software as some free software. on, For example, TiVo can't use um, key signing to, uh, or some kind of obscure way to um, obscurity to um, prevent people from like replacing the Linux kernel that's on the device. And and using TiVo because it's the prime example. It's not because they're the only one. There's lots of other people who do this kind of stuff where they either use key signing to only make a um, key signing key verification or whatever to make sure only their kernels run on, um, on the device or, or they use some kind of sp- proprietary firmware packaging way to make to only make their kernels enabled to run now speaking of the Linux kernel in particular.
3: Yeah, but I think as long as they're contributing their changes back to the community, and they're giving the software back. Then I don't think there's anything wrong with Tivoization. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's basically what I think too.
3: I mean, I
4: buy the d- I buy the device. Shouldn't I be able to change, do whatever I want with it?
3: Hmm. Not necessarily. have the choice not to buy the device. Yeah, and the company has that's to r- provide. Well,
4: that's not really the point because what the w- when Tivo agrees to use. Some free software, open source software, they they have to agree to our licensing terms. And and I have read the GPL on multiple occasions. And from the language, you can kind of see that, at that, that uh, from the language of it, you can kind of like understand that its in intent is actually also to, when you receive the software on a computer or something, it's that instance of the software you should be able to modify. It's not just the software in theory, because in theory, according to G, uh, abiding by the GPL version two. TiVo is in complete compliance, I mean, they don't violate GPL version 2, they, but uh, version 3 will basically have force them to give me, the user, that they give the software to whatever ne- would uh, be required to m- for me to run my own compiled kernels, because, for example, if I didn't want some sort of DRM in there and just use it for something else, maybe run MythTV on it instead, I should be able to install all that stuff. Or just make whatever changes I want to the kernel, or the free software yeah. that they put on there. They could have yeah. like a proprietary <coughs> ROM chip somewhere. I don't really know.
3: Yeah, but the kernel will probably never be under the GPL v3, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that w- yeah actually, that's true. It's it's kind of like foolish to just dis- to discuss this over just by the kernel because the kernel Linux kernel has always been on the GPL version 2 specifically it has never been under the GPL version 2 or any later version it's never used that sort of licensing it's been GPL version 2 only so in order to um, to move it to version 3 if Anders Torvalds changed his mind which i doubt he will because he's a very stubborn guy for g- for good or good or bad i mean depending on your opinion is it
2: is it all his okay. Torvalds?
3: Does he have the no, say no, no, no. and everything?
4: No, 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 no. But he he's like the major the major blocker, you know. It's like the major, yeah. like
3: yeah. But don't don't thousands of people have to all decide on exactly, GPL v3?
4: Exactly, they they have to. The, all the authors have to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. GPL version three, fine. And relicense the code, which would be a big pain in the butt, and you probably have to involve some large organization like OSDL or, or maybe IBM or Red Hat or something would have to kind of rally together and manage this because this would be a major task. I mean, it's not. Imagine going back, <laughs> looking at ten-year-old CVS records or something like that. <laughs> that would be required to <laughs> relicense the kernel of the GPL version 3
3: yeah i don't see it happening yeah yeah,
4: yeah that's true even but what if do you I think
3: d- what do you think the g p l v three means for k d e and gnome and applications
4: well that's a I'm really glad you kind of segue into the user space application because the kernel is irrelevant, you know, because of the difficulty of moving into GPL version 3. There's no really reason to debate over just the kernel because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of applications that would automatically become GPL version 3 once the license is, is finalized, you know. So um, it's more, <coughs> it's. I don't know exactly when uh, you use GNOME, you know, right?
3: Uh, actually, I've been running KDE exclusively for about a couple of months.
4: Okay, but uh, do you know how GNOME's licensing is, if they use that or any later version thing? Because GNOME is part of the GNU project, after all.
3: No, I'm not not familiar with it. Oh, okay. It's because KDE,
4: you know, Trolltech's uh, uh, Qt licensing is, uh, is uh, I think they say GPL version 2 only as well. I haven't looked at the source file, so I don't know for sure, but um, if that's the case, KD can't move to GPL version 3 until Trolltech does, because <laughs> the two versions of the licensing are incompatible, because the GPL version 3 adds some r- additional r- restrictions in the form of the, the e- quote-unquote anti-DRM clause. That's an additional restriction on the, the distributors of the software. They can't, like, lock it. Lock the hardware to a particular version of the software, so you can't you can't never add any additional restrictions to GPL version two, but so um, the licenses are incompatible. So you can think like um, uh, GPL version three code to uh, GPL version two code, I would imagine, but I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> no, I'm not a I'm not I'm not I'm not Evan Mobley. So. Um, but when you were mentioning KD and GNOME. Well, I think it's going to be interesting because KD and GNOME are like... They produce the everyday applications that we use. So, for example, if Amarok would come under a patent... Um, a patent uh, <laughs> assault, I would kind of call it, from somebody who had, like, a patent on the, uh, a special of indexing the music collection, for example, from Apple, maybe. Um, well, if Apple distributes... Um, some kind of free software th- or excuse me they distribute that software to they can't um, 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 sue Amara people for using it or developing it for example if uh, if I um, say Fraunhofer the guys who make uh, no, not make but uh, own their patents for MP3 if they made a GPL ver- or actually included GPL version 3 code in any of the code they did they distribute they would automatically grant every receiving user a patent license or everything that a GPL can do, which is kind of an interesting way of, of taking on the patents by the horns, but so, yeah. so that's the internationalization of the GPL. Now it fits much better in on an international scale, not just to the U.S. Um, legal system. So there's a bunch of good stuff in GPL version 3 in general. I mean,
3: yeah, I, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with GPL version two, but this is my opinion.
4: Yeah, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. internationalization is always a good thing, you know. Because if, uh, if it could be invalidated in one court and people could just release proprietary versions of GPU version software, I think that would be a bad thing. So it's, it's good to have the internationalization because the, the, kind of the word kind of distribution is kind of like a little, it it's depends on how it legally, what it means legally in different jurisdictions. And that's
0: the way it goes. Yeah. Do you
5: have
0: any thoughts on that, Dan? Well, uh, you had mentioned a good point there. And while I, I don't agree with the a TVOization, um, well, TVOization in general, I, I like the idea if I wanted to hack the hardware to be able to do that. And not be restricted because of uh, a key that will not let me run my own software on said hardware. Taking into the full capacity of the license and the restrictions based upon running my own software would render the warranty uh, invalid. Um, and I accept and assume that responsibility. Uh, on the flip side to that, you make a good point that if I don't, if they go ahead and do restrictions like that. Uh, the TiVoization restriction that if I don't like it, then I should find another avenue to to uh, pursue my my desires. As such, instead of running a TiVo system, I'll go out and build my own Myth TV box and not have to worry about said restrictions. <coughs> I mean, the freedom to be able to do that is 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 great. Um, but on the other hand, if you take it to its extreme and say that. You know, what if more companies go down this route? What if they start putting out uh, motherboards that only allow you to run specific operating systems, which I guess, uh, what is it, TPN can prevent you from running that type of software and not make it something you can turn on or off, um, that you actually are restricted in such a manner, then uh, that can become an extreme problem. Yeah. um, But do you think that if the
3: kernel was ever under GPL3 that that would scare away a lot of embedded vendors and they would end up going to Windows or BSD.
2: I don't think embedded people can run Windows. <laughs> well,
3: there's some some devices that run it. I wouldn't use one.
2: Yeah I guess there's a couple phones and stuff, but
0: I think there's that possibility but uh you know, it, it remains to be seen whether, you know, wh- what is the actual final draft of the GPL version 3 going to say. Um,
4: yeah, you know. that's, it's not finalized yet. For example, the w- what some people have called novelization have not been added to... to uh, restrictions on that have not been added to GPL version 3 yet. It will, though. Evan Mowland has been working on that for about a month, I think. So... That's going to be interesting. That's why I say that GPL version 3 will kick no well's ass because uh, if if they distribute GPL version 3 software, if that software is covered by any of Microsoft's patents, that uh, the, uh, they will automatically protect the uh, downstream users, which will be kind of interesting, right?
0: Yeah, and, and you know, uh, it, the other side to that is you got to say, how big of a problem is it really? I mean, again, just like with going into the store and buying a computer, you know, the General Joe user is going to get a Windows machine, and that's all that person ever knows. Um, You know, if you are, you know, TiVo, how many people actually take their TiVo and recompile the kernel and do all sorts of different things to it? Um, would those people, wouldn't they be better suited for something like Myth TV? You know, of how, much of an, how much of an impact does that really have? I mean, if if the device is limited, you know, it's just like buying an iPod and complaining that you don't have AUG support on the iPod because Apple's not going to do that, and it's a closed device, and they don't want you mucking around with the firmware or changing stuff, you know. And, you know, if you want AUG support, go buy, a you know, an ARC. OS uh, player or, you know, any of the other players that support AUG. I mean, and it kind of stinks. I mean, if you want to tinker around with your stuff, I I think, you know, to an extent you should be able to. But if the machine or system you're buying doesn't allow for that, maybe you need to be looking somewhere else and not support them. And by not supporting them, they might change their mind if a significant number of people do that.
4: Yeah, actually, there's a really great article on uh, on Alexa by DC Paris on this uh, GPL version 3 thing. And actually, I think uh, there's a particular part of it uh, which I'm kind of trying to look for right now. That that um, kind of was interesting, but um, um yeah, it's uh, oh, where is it?
0: Dead air. Dead air. Dead air. Dead air.
4: <laughs> well, it's not live, so you can always cut it out.
0: Oh, I know. I mean, it, it's kind of live right now because we're streaming it. The people are listening to it, but... What? There will be post Streamed live? Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for telling me, Dan. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought everybody knew. I, was gonna say. I thought everybody was on Nobody the IRC. Didn't. I thought everybody was on the IRC. No, I didn't even know there was an IRC channel open. Oh. Jesus. I was just, you know, the, the tech show. I, I, I thought everybody knew. Uh, my mistake, and I apologize.
4: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: But you know what? I don't know. I, you know, people are not complaining about the content. They're complaining about my piss-poor audio quality job that I'm doing, but.
4: Well what's wrong with
0: the auto quality <laughs> uh it's hard to when you have um four people coming in on four different sources and all on on two separate channels and you guys are are on three separate channels it's hard to get the balance correct so that mm. you know you, one person doesn't end up overpowering everybody else when I only have one channel that I could work with uh, to get that balance right oh, I without. See blowing everybody's eardrums out, and at the same time, somebody sounding like a whisper. I see. So it's just really, if, you, if I had four separate channels coming in, I could adjust them all individually, but uh, Skype doesn't allow me to do such a thing and split the channels. And I'd need four separate mm, okay. systems to run four separate instances, or four separate sound cards to run four separate instances of a machine. Getting closer to being able to do stuff like that, with uh, two separate sources uh, using a laptop and using the desktop but anyway oh okay that's neither here nor there it has nothing to do with the GPL version 3
4: that's um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well actually speaking of GPL version 3 I have one more thing I want to discuss before kind of I'm done But um, what is, so, Sun Microsystems, Java, to be GPL'd, what do you think?
0: I don't, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a Java programmer, and I don't use a lot of Java-based applications, but uh, hopefully that uh, might change if, if, you know, under the GPL and I'm more free to use Java. Yeah. I know Devin's Actually, really geared up.
2: There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big Java fan. Although I've taken like three classes on it. And uh, I'm probably going to be uh, Java developing sometime in the next year or so. Okay. For the company that I work
4: for cor- for currently. Well, you better use Qt, I'm going to kick you ass.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's hopefully one thing that will change when Java's GPL, maybe they'll make it look less like ass. I'm hoping, yeah. at least. But I don't...
4: On the whole but anyway, ass, um, did you guys listen to that uh, interview uh, on Vogue Radio with uh, Simon Phipps from Sun?
0: That was on the same one with Nat Friedman. No, that it? was
4: the, the, re- the episode before that.
0: I thought they were on so, the same episode. Nope, not on
4: not
0: Anyway... Yes I but, uh, do. But
4: actually this um that Simon guy is actually involved in the GPL version 3 process and he thinks it's uh, looking to be a good license which I think is interesting because at the um at what you call it um the announcement for when when Sun announced that Java was going GPL at the very end of that announcement they hinted at um uh, they hinted at GPLing Solaris because for example um um, and, and I'm quoting Jonathan Schwartz right here will you GPL Solaris Mr. Green is that your um, will you is that your commitment will you GPL Solaris or something like that he said and um, that sparked like laughs in the crowd and from Rich Green too <laughs> that was funny but um, but seriously though the, they, Rich Green said that they would be seriously looking at GPL and Solaris so what do you guys think of GPL and Solaris I'm against it against it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Demon likes his proprietary software.
0: I, you know, it's a possibility. They do have open Solaris right now.
4: Yeah, it's under the CDDL license. Which is actually, which is, which is a valid open source license. It's, I just never understood it because it's, it's written in lawyers speak and I don't speak lawyers speak. It,
2: uh, when is the... Uh uh, Java is supposed to be released on the GPL.
4: Well, right now on the GPL, the mobile edition of Java is actually all on the GPL, as far as I know. And the enterprise edition of Java, which is also under both CDDL and GPL, the sti- the core of Java, and, and generally what we think of as Java. we Under the GPL right now, we have the Hotspot virtual machine and uh, the Java Help System and also the Java compiler. It's gonna, it's the things Sun can open source under the GPL should be out by um, uh, mar- the end of March 2007. And there will be some parts that they don't have the right to uh, to uh, distribute. So they will be depending on the community to kind of re-implement those things and make a repl- free replacement for that, which I personally hope will happen quite fast because. You know, having like a completely GPL Java, that would just be nice.
2: Yeah. Then the uh, distributions could include it out of the box.
4: Yeah, well, well, they can. Maybe even with those small proprietary components that will be still remain because Sun can't open source those, but um, they will be able to redistribute those as well. I think. So it's going to be interesting to watch because because Java, I mean, even though it's it's. Even though some people hate it, I mean, it's still. Uh, I mean, I there's a bunch of good Java programs out there like Asarius or good stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's I still necessary even if you don't use it that much. Yeah, and it's necessary for banking and stuff like that. Plus, all plus the fact that the uh, trolls like just released some nice new Qt bindings for Java, which is really really nice because Qt four is already very cross platform, very good for cross platform applications, and combine that with Java. How easy would it be to be, to like write a Windows application that automatically can be just recompiled to run on Linux or BST for that matter or Solaris for that? Matter. Or you could use PyQt. <laughs> Python. Well, um, I, uh, I hate installing Python modules, so screw that. <laughs> 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 well, it's, uh, it's like I install a Python program, right? Then I have to add like ten modules if it's a, an obscure program. Not this in Python, but um, it's okay. <laughs> Tom Ball on uh, IRC Says the QT4 is slow Well it's not It's actually much faster Than QT3 yeah, Which, uh, yeah. And already with KD The development Of KD4 Is uh, some significant Speed improvements I think I heard some somebody Mention that Yeah so It's going to be interesting QT4 is an exciting Toolkit I think Because it can do A shitload of stuff
2: yeah, it's crazy. You can do like a web browser in like five lines of
4: code, something like that. And KD4 in general is also exciting, but that's not. Anyway, did you guys, um, Daniel? Did you watch the last episode of The Source? It looks like Aaron finally got us out, got it out.
0: I didn't get a chance to grab it yet because he got it out uh, while I was. I believe it came out when I was up north and didn't have a connection. To okay. be able to download it, and uh, I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet because I've they been lazy.
4: <laughs> well, they had an uh, they had an interview with two folks from Sun about the CFS file system, which I'm personally very excited about, and uh, it's because CFS is so cool. But um, it's give go what definitely go watch it. CFS is a really interesting file system. And if Solaris goes GPL, hey, maybe we can get CFS under Linux, and it's already on the way on BSD. So,
0: uh, when when you pull down that file, like I- I'm pretty sure I have it because I have his feed in my bp.com file. Is it called Episode 001avi yeah. I think so. Yeah, it Was is that a new show?
3: Yeah, it's the, it's the File System Menace. I think is the name of it. Okay. In you know okay. tradition of Star Wars. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
3: But
4: anyway, the the stuff they say about CFS, <laughs> I'm just I think it's so cool. File systems are just fascinating.
3: Yeah, but that'll never end up in Linux because of licensing, right?
4: Well, if they give deals Solaris maybe they they will.
3: Depending Yeah, on but I I mean the current PC. license
4: well, what they could do, for example, if they, if they if Sun wanted to get ZFS into Linux, it, they could, uh, say they released Solaris on the GPL version 3, they could read a license the file, dual license, the file system, to get it into Linux, the Linux kernel.
2: I think I so. read there's a, uh, a Fuse uh, module for ZFS, so you can read it on Linux. Yeah,
4: that's Linux. right. But, but you know, that's the problem with running a file system in user space is major performance loss. Yeah. So, it starts like. It's not something I would run on a 40 disk, uh, fiber channel disk array. <laughs> so, or, or something like a cluster. That would suck if you lose performance in a cluster. Yeah. So. But anyway, definitely go check that out, that that interview with the folks from Suns, with the Union, interesting stuff.
0: Do so you have a tutorial now?
4: Yeah, actually, uh, yeah. Uh, now I think we're done with the news and headlines and stuff, but um, I have a little tip for people wanting to try out uh, OpenSUSE 10.2, because... The reason 10.1 was so screwed up when it was released was because Novell put some, or uh, well, the SuSE was put something from Novell into the distribution called SynWorks, and uh, it's some kind of enterprise um, server management uh, system Novell has, but it really screwed up the package management. It was made dog slow, overly complex, and the whole nine yard. <laughs> You've seen screenshots and heard horror stories, I'm sure. But um, it's still the installed by default in 10.2, because they they wouldn't want to make the same mistake of making a late-in-development decision that would change it radically, so... But uh, it's st- it still kind of sucks. Because, for example, if you install OpenSUSE 10.2 without deselecting ZMD, which is the package for Zenworks, um it, it will take like 40 minutes to add one community repository, and that really sucks ass. So... When you install OpenSUSE 10.2, when you stick CD1 in, you will be get through a few dialogues of like language and uh, if you want to upgrade or do a new install. And at some point, you will be looking at kind of an overview page which will list the partitioning, the software that's going to be installed and then there's an expert tab that will detail the bootloader and stuff like that. To get an OpenSUSE 10.2 system without, that's not, very, that's not totally screwed up, but actually works pretty well. Um, uh, has a a new package management actually a more lighter weight one that does not use the ZenWorks framework but interfaces with the dependency resolver and all that directly without going through some kind of advanced looping overly complex system that's broken by design almost so um, uh, and actually I should note this is only like a, a good option for KDE users because there's no if if you do this with GNOME, you will have a KDE updater applet under GNOME, and I'm not sure that's an optimal solution for a lot of folks. And you, will, and you won't have any install install programs, GUI, and remove programs, GUIs under GNOME. But if you're a KDE user, this is all good. So, when you're looking at that overview page in uh, doing the OpenSUSE installation, and you're just one click away, f- or actually two clicks away, from starting the installation process, Click on the link. The link called software. There's a headline that's underlined, and, and that says software. Then you can, uh, you can, you get some categories of like what's going to install, like KDE and GNOME and development tools and stuff like that. There's a button called details. Click on that, and you will have a, have the, the you see the Yes package manager itself. Over on the left side, there will be a category which has to called a pattern. Of packages that is called enterprise software management um, and uh, SynWorks. It will also us say that. Click on that category, and then there will be, you will see five packages in here, and that would be a set MD or cmd whatever, um, and cen updater and uh, rug which is a command line tool, and then also uh, um, something else I don't remember right off the top of my head but there are all the ones that will be selected in here by default right click on those and select the option called taboo hyphen never install which is an awesome option I think for package manager and after you've t- tabooed unquote those um, four packages I think it is then um, right click on the, the enterprise software management category itself and taboo that too then above that there's a category called OpenSUSE package management or something like that, or software management excuse me, in there make sure the pack the two packages that it contains which is called OpenSUSE dash updater and um, C-Y-P-P-E-R make sure both of those are installed and then click accept and then accept again, then you're back at the, the overview page and you can click on the install button and everything will be smooth after that you can add repositories to it, like the Pac-Man and get the multimedia stuff and all that without any problems. That's it.
0: Hooray, OpenSUSE. <laughs> yeah, well,
4: you remember OpenSUSE is put together not just by Novell folks, but by a lot of community members.
0: Oh, I'm not I'm making any reference to Novell and OpenSUSE. <laughs> I, I, I hear a lot of good things about OpenSUSE. I just...
4: Yeah, it has received really good reviews. So I'm, t- I'm not
0: one for RPM based distributions for some reason. I don't know why, but me either.
4: Well, I don't know. It i let let's put it like this, though I I haven't found a distribution with as good KD support as SUSE has. And the the cool new KD menu is awesome.
3: So uh, I'm happy with the vanilla default KDE.
0: Yeah, but um, to each yourself. Yeah, so shut your mouth. <laughs> I don't really yeah,
4: need yeah, d- yeah, shut your mouth, so Dan might try something. Okay.
0: What do you run, Dan? Uh, actually, I run on my workstation, XFCE, on my laptop, Gnome, and my workstation at work, it's KDE.
4: So you run everything, is what you're saying.
0: Uh, yeah, depends. On my wife's laptop, <laughs> I think I have yes. it set up for
3: Fluxbox.
0: Do hmm.
3: so you think KDE is too slow <laughs> compared to Xfce?
0: Uh, I haven't noticed much of a slowdown recently. Then again, I strip a lot of stuff out of my KDE desktops.
4: What parts in particular?
0: Uh, I don't use desktop icons. I don't use the really? menu. <laughs> I don't use the panel. <laughs> uh, but then
4: that's called a window manager.
0: <laughs> basically, all my all my every time I get my hands on a window and you know desktop environment, it always ends up looking like Fluxbox when I'm done with it. <laughs> this makes me <you laughs> say, why don't I just run Fluxbox? I don't know.
4: Um, that would be like um, F L U K X or something like that. Yeah.
0: Even Barrel. Uh, when you get down to it, barrel even looks like Fluxbox with fancy transitions. Because, you know, I, I basically any application I want to run, I usually, you know, just do the hit alt space and bring up FB run or XFCE run or whatever run application I can and type in the name of the app I want and fire it up. I don't usually point and click.
4: I see. Have you, Have you tried... That? um
3: E seventeen at all? Anyone? I have. I
4: I, I yeah. was thinking about it, but isn't it still like a development branch of for enlightenment?
2: Been in development for like two years or something.
0: Yeah, it's been development forever. It's actually pretty nice. Yeah, it is. I don't know
2: why no it's, stable. Still in it's it's pretty stable for me at least.
4: Okay, I am. Uh, is it a li- Is it a live CD for it?
0: E-Live, I think it is. E-Live, oh, yeah. You can get E-Live. You can also, uh, I think a lot of uh, major distributions have repositories for it. They might not be in in the main repository for your distribution. But when I I was running it, uh, what, about a year and a half ago, I think it was, it was really nice. Um, The configuration for it was very, very esoteric. At the time, they didn't, I, and I don't know if they do now. They didn't have any like like nice tools to configure it, and you had to run these command line options, which were oh. were very lengthy and <laughs> difficult to figure out. And not well, it's gotten
3: it's gotten pretty good. There's a lot of GUI tools, a lot of different stuff built right into it.
0: Yeah, I mean it is it's nice. It's very lightweight, very artistic.
3: Yeah. There's actually some effects you can turn on, so snow snows on your desktop or or it rains. <laughs> it's kind of a waste, but it looks nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, They have like a star field and everything too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Enlightenment Seventeen is definitely something to you know to give a try out. I wonder, you know, if you combined E Seventeen with like Barrel, what you could actually get. That'd be some pretty sweet looking stuff.
4: Yeah, that would actually be kind of interesting to try out.
0: You could like rotate what the cube, and it would go through different weather patterns. That would be neat.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, then then you then would then you'd need to have a globe
0: instead of a cube. That's true. Yeah. Well, that be awesome. Hey, there a you globe. go. It would be hard That's to good co- idea. It'd be hard to convey desktops, separate desktops on a globe.
4: Well, then, then like have a con then then like have a continent for each desktop. <laughs> oh. Zooms out, zooms back down.
0: (laughs) That'd be kind of like the Wii's weather channel. Did you ever play around with that?
4: No. I I, I don't have the necessary means for connecting my Wii to the Internet yet, so...
3: Oh, yeah, it doesn't come with uh, the Ethernet port.
4: That's right. You have to get an adapter for it. And uh, it has wireless built-in, but I don't have Wi-Fi at home.
0: Steal your neighbors. (laughs) Yes.
4: Well, the theirs is uh, too far away for good signal.
0: Ask them to move it closer to their window. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, it's an eight hundred two eleven B router, so it's uh, it's signals doing really really bad. No, oh, I can't wait. I hope they upgrade to eight hundred two eleven N or something at some point because that would be really funny. Uh,
0: what happened to your audio?
4: What
0: you?
2: Yeah, it just went down.
0: You just like dropped so off the face down. of the earth. <laughs> yeah, you sound pretty distant.
4: That's odd. Well how about now?
0: There you go. That's better better.
4: Okay, I think it was my microphone that's good.
0: Sound like you were really talking from Denmark.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Anyway, um I have something else I wanted to mention. Two apps actually. Um for Christmas I got a two uh a t- got some two gigabyte USB keys. Which is um, And um, Do you guys know Of the, p- the The quote Portable apps suite
0: Yeah I've heard
4: of
2: it From Portableapps.org yeah. Or something Portableapps.com Yeah
4: It's basically like A compilation of Lots of free software That uh, you can put Onto a USB Key And just run On any Windows machine When you stick The USB key In a menu Will pop up And then you have Like Firefox And Thunderbird And VLC And stuff like that In there which is all on the USB key, which is really nice because you could put like music on and carry like a little small headset with you, on. and then use VLC to play the music, and um, you can have all your bookmarks and email and with Firefox and Thunderbird, which is really really nice. Because at school I have so they have like obviously have a lot of Windows machines, so what I usually do is just like install Firefox on it from the portable app because then you can just extract it and then run it and then delete the folder. and but well, this time I can bring him to school with <laughs> bring Firefox to school with me in this nice two gigabyte USB key which is really really handy. Don't wanna yeah. don't don't wanna use that internet I don't wanna use that internet exploder. Also have a new KD, KD application I want to mention. There's a new application out there called Basket, which is um, kind of a note-taking application and a, and a clipboard application, as weird as that sound at the same time. Because it basically, it basically comes up and then it allows you to create, like, quote, baskets where you can throw stuff into, like, you can make notes for yourself or you can throw pictures and files in there and store them in there and you have a nice little search feature in there. And it's a way to organize a lot of stuff instead of having, like, a thousand icons on your desktop, you have baskets for it. It's a really yeah. cool application really cool applications, I think. It's one of these KDE applications that just come, pops up, like, every two years, and everybody goes like, what the fuck, that's cool. So, um, definitely check that out. B-A-S-K-E-T, I, uh, Google it, I don't have the URL right now, but it's Basket.kde.org. Really cool. Thanks, Devin.
2: <laughs> yeah, I used the app a lot, and I, I just, like, save random, uh, Websites websites and s- resources and stuff, and you can. I think that you can search your little yeah, scraps you or whatever. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's pretty nice.
4: Yeah, it is. It's very awesome. It's, and it, it can look really cool because you can customize it with colors and kinds of neat stuff, and it integrates into Contact the KDE uh, groupware application. So yeah. you have it right along with your RSS reader and your script reader. And your Although computer. it always crashes mine. <laughs> Well, yeah, it did with that with mine too for a little while, but now it stopped doing it. Yeah, I haven't and There's a new in version no coming out
0: of B A S K E T. How's
4: 0.9. B A S K E T.
0: Basket.kde.org? Yeah. You sure that's right? Because I can't. I'm not getting anything from that. Oh, that's what
4: Portage says. Hold on. It's that GCC screensaver again. Sorry, I couldn't resist.
0: Yeah, it says basket.kd.org swam- is supposedly the site.
4: Like maybe the swimmers
0: nothing. down. Somewhere. Well, kd.org is not working maybe Steve,
4: for me. Maybe Steve Ballmer's is DDO asking the KD guys for patenting. Apple's,
0: uh, Apple's improving. Basket for us right okay. now. <laughs> Incorporating it in the leopard. <laughs> It'll be down for a little while until the official release.
1: Yeah, well...
4: They're gonna steal everything, every good, cool idea about it, and then say like Apple invented it. So invented at Apple, Cupertino, California. Couldn't possibly invented
0: anyplace else. Awesome. Well, anything else for tonight? Cause I gotta get going soon. Yeah. Yeah, I have
4: one more thing.
0: But You had one more thing, Actually, three yeah, more yeah, things this ago. Is kind
4: of a sad story, end.
0: Okay. <laughs> Bring it down. Okay. Well, and oh,
4: there's one. Just to kind of play Steve Jobs for a while. Oh, there's one more thing. Sorry. Um, well, I have, I had, I have a little bit of a sad story to end with. But um, the, this summer, I uh, the new computer from my from my aunt and um, the, the the problem uh, and because she had like an old computer from 1992 or 1994 or something like that, an old piece of shit IBM machine and. Uh, like 133 me- megahertz Pentium One processor, and that's really ass slow today. Couldn't could barely run Flash movies on the internet. So, but I, I got our new AMD 64 machine, and I offered her to try Linux because it would save her a whole bunch of money and and be more secure and reliable. And that i has been trying to use it for a couple of months. But, uh, and she uses Microsoft Office at, at work, and, uh, and she has a pretty good education and does a lot of, like, office work. But um, she asked me the other day to switch her to Windows because she just can't figure Open Office out because she's used to uh, Microsoft Office. And um, when she uses it at work, it confuses her that she doesn't have the same at home, which kind of bummed me out because, you know, Microsoft, eh, I don't want to fix Windows virus machines all the time but whatever I can charge for it so it's not all bad so I think actually um, one thing that is a problem for people who are used to Microsoft they don't want to learn take the time to learn open office they'll pay the hundred bucks for Microsoft Office if they can uh, save that time which is unfortunate
0: that's too bad
4: yeah you should totally too bad. Go everybody to hell. should a student again so they can't afford anything <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that because I because one of the the reasons that the the, the, the I promised that uh, when I suggested Linux that if she didn't like it she, I would always, could always install Windows for her. So did you make but her pay for Windows? But anyway, you know. Yeah, absolutely.
0: How because much is I, that over there? Eight hundred bucks. That
4: G- Windows genuine disadvantage. <laughs> Windows is um, it's hundred twenty bucks U.S. Huh. An office is like uh, 150, so it's 250 bucks basically.
3: Is that And, an then, and then with all the antivirus and any spyware are adding another 300 onto that.
4: <laughs> well, actually, there's uh, I got something for it called NOD 32, which is an antivirus, and uh, I think it was also 100 bucks. So it's basically like 350 bucks in total. Expensive to run that Windows. Is she happy now? Can't wait for Vista to come out and just <laughs> no, I haven't installed it yet. But uh, she should be getting it uh, the, the Windows in the sh- in the mail today, and uh, and, um, and sh- uh, sh- I have the antivirus keys and all that in my email box, so it should be good. It should be interesting to see, you know, because I think the the best the best. If you want to switch someone to Linux you've got to make sure they configure the applications down because you know, open office some people just don't want to take to they take the time to learn the small differences. Which is unfortunate. Because OpenOffice is the best office suite we have, right? Uh-huh. Until KOffice Office Two comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Awesome. So open office for for my, uh, for my end, it's the, the issue with Linux was open office, You could figure it out, unfortunately. Something to work out, I guess. Awesome.
0: Anything else, guys? That's it for me. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, for me, too. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you, people, for listening. Well, thank you. Have a nice uh, Happy New Year. We all had nice holidays. Continue on. Have a safe and happy holiday. Uh, and, oh,
4: Dan, by the way, check the IRC. Check your... It sent you a PM on the IRC.
0: Okay, I will do that. And uh, that's it for this this uh, edition of Lager, number 14. Thank you for listening. Say bye, everyone. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. <laughs> Have a good one. Right. Bye Bye.
4: Uh, farewell, as we say in Denmark.
0: Favel. Flava beans you mm-hmm.
5: town he found it suffered a blow fish were dying because the water was low fat catfish named a diamond dolls plug the stream with copyright laws he said my water's good and my water's free so ponderosa you're gonna thank me then he bottled it up and he labeled it mine they opened and poured but they ran out of time So Puff made a brand and he tanned his hide Said this is the mark of too much pride Tied to a horse set the tail on fire Slapped her on the ass and the water went higher On a rose above, wouldn't take no gum Things were good for a spell in town But then one day, dang water turned brown Coming to the rescue, Mayor Reed He said, this here filter's all y'all need But it didn't take long for the filter plugs Full of mud and crud and bugs Bull said, gotta be a gooder way Mayor said, hell no, she's okay the water's found on the open range, and he passed a law that it couldn't change. No freeze, no boil, no frolic and young. puff took him aside, said this is wrong. And they found the mayor was adding the crutch, so he took him down in a cloud of blood. He said the mayor's learned he's done been mean, so they did it right, and the water went clean. That far Fish started flipping and a flopping about, yelling, "Mercy, Bob, It's a doggone crowd!" Go still till he hit the lay of Apache fish. They was on the jig. They built a dam that was made of rules. Now Puff was fist, and he lost his cool. I'm sick and tired of these gall-darn words and laws and bureaucratic nerds. You're full of beans and killing my town. And if you saw, don't shut her down. Well, I'll hang a-licking on everyone, you sons of bitch and greedy scum. So he blew the dam and let her haul. Cause water ought to be free for all i
0: That wraps up another episode of Logger. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, Logger is released under Creative Commons for non-commercial use license. Feel free to copy, excerpt from, or distribute Logger for non-commercial purposes. The opening music of the show is provided by James Underberg called The Battle, with sound effects from Blob Wars by Parallel Realities. We'll see you next time.